I'm Simon Lack with SL Advisors. We invest in midstream energy infrastructure. That's pipelines, storage, and processing. We sit between the producers of oil and gas and the customers, which are often utilities, export terminals, or refineries. We publish a blog twice a week on the energy sector and on interest rates because I spend much of my career in the bond market. In this video, I'm going to recap the last month of blog posts and talk about some of the reaction from our clients and readers. The impact of the build-up of Russian troops on the border with Ukraine and subsequent invasion was the most important recent news. It's impossible not to admire the bravery of the thousands of Ukrainian civilians volunteering to defend their country. Russia's invasion has exposed Europe's energy strategy, which suffers from two deep flaws. One is they've made themselves too reliant on renewable energy, especially wind, before it's able to deliver reliable power. That's what's pushed up European natural gas prices over the past couple of months. The second flaw is they've relied too much on Russia to supply natural gas, a choice that looks especially stupid given recent events. Because natural gas is hard to move, its price can vary enormously. Europeans have been paying as much as 10 times the US benchmark for deliveries of liquefied natural gas, or LNG as it's called. Russia's aggression and Europe's disastrous energy policies are turning into an opportunity for US natural gas. Our exports are limited by the infrastructure that's available. It takes several years to build an LNG export facility, but capacity is growing and the companies involved in natural gas, such as Chenier and Williams, are doing well with demand expected to continue growing over the next several years. The fundamentals for the US pipeline sector were already very good. In spite of this, MLP funds have been seeing outflows for the last couple of years. You'd think it would be hard to find anything positive in that, but it turns out that buybacks from pipeline companies have more than offset the retail selling. In effect, retail investors are selling their shares back to the companies. This is possible because free cash flow is growing and they're spending less money on new projects. In fact, it's almost impossible to build a new pipeline in America today. Climate extremists may not like this, but because of them, the sector is performing much better. With fewer projects to spend money on, pipeline companies can raise dividends, reduce leverage, and buy back stock. In the last couple of years, I've decided that climate extremists are more useful than I realized because they've helped push up commodity prices and force companies to cut spending. I don't think it's been good for consumers, but it's been good for the sector. We think buybacks will continue long after retail investors have stopped exiting MLP funds, so this should be a catalyst for further moves higher. We heard from a good number of clients who found this point very interesting. You read so much about solar panels and windmills nowadays that it's easy to think they're producing most of our electricity. So we looked at New Jersey, where I live, and it turns out that almost all electricity comes from natural gas and nuclear energy. Although we don't invest in nuclear at SL Advisors, any serious effort to reduce CO2 has to include nuclear power. It has the best safety record for megawatt hour of electricity. So if you care about climate change, but you're anti-nuclear, you're not really thinking that hard about a solution. 
And the world's biggest opportunity to reduce emissions is to swap coal for natural gas. You can see on the chart that renewables are a tiny contributor of how New Jersey produces electricity. Fortunately, so is coal. The other interesting thing on this chart is the correlation between each source of power and the total. In New Jersey, we use more electricity in the summer. Natural gas has the flexibility to deliver more when you need it. With solar and wind, they deliver power when they can, not necessarily when consumers want it. And sometimes they don't deliver it at all if it's not sunny or windy. New Jersey's a liberal state, and I'm here because my family and many of my friends live here, not because I like how the state is run. But so far, at least, energy policies in New Jersey are resulting in cheaper electricity than two other liberal states, New York and Massachusetts, where progressive energy policies have led to steadily higher priced electricity. I hope New Jersey maintains its reliance on natural gas for many years to come. I don't want to rely on solar or wind because they're unreliable. You can't trust that they'll be there when you need them. The energy sector has done pretty well over the past couple of years. We published the American Energy Independence Index. It's the best, most representative index of North American pipelines. In fact, if you go back to the end of 2019, just before COVID struck, our index of pipelines has done almost the same as the S&P 500 since the end of 2019. It made up for that terrible drop in early 2020 some time ago. Finally, let me turn to interest rates. Eurodollar futures provide a very precise forecast of where the market thinks monetary policy is going. There's no doubt that we have a dovish Fed. They have a dual mandate, which is to seek maximum employment consistent with stable prices. Three years ago, they made a subtle but important change to how they manage monetary policy by placing a little more importance on achieving full employment and being willing to take a little more inflation risk. As we've seen, they were wrong on inflation and it's gone much higher than they expected. The futures market is currently priced for the Fed funds rate to peak at around 2%. This seems quite optimistic because the Fed's inflation target is also 2%. So it means that the Fed is going to get inflation back to 2% without even raising rates above that. I think the odds are the market will price in a higher peak in rates before too long. JP Morgan, for example, thinks they'll have to move closer to 2.5%. One reason for the market's fairly benign outlook is that every time the Fed raises rates, the peak is lower than before. This chart shows the yield on the two-year Treasury note alongside inflation. So a lot of people obviously think that pattern will repeat. The problem is that inflation is higher than in past cycles. So we'll just have to see how that turns out. But our thinking is that the rate cycle peak will need to be a little higher, and it'll still be hard to get inflation back down to 2% anytime soon. If you read our blog regularly, I hope you enjoy it. And if you haven't seen it yet, I hope this video will persuade you to take a look. We always love to hear from you. So if you have any comments or blog ideas, let me know. To find out more about what we're thinking, visit our website, sl-advisors.com. I'm Simon Lack with SL Advisors. Thank you for watching this video.